Let's get into the magic. I'm your host, Sess. And I'm Katie. Today on this, uh, I think, ninth or tenth episode of Into the Magic, we're going to be talking about our origin story and how we met 17 years ago. 17. At this point. Yeah. Yeah, 17 years ago, and what that experience was like, and where it brought us to, and kind of helped us transform into the women we are now. Yeah. Because you have to sort of understand where someone's coming from so that you can see like, so you can see the the growth, I suppose. Yeah. You know, that we didn't just like come upon this sort of these sort of topics and discussions like for no reason. We were just like, oh, let's go to the bookstore and oh, wow, there's a book here on spirituality. No, this is like real life application for us. So we want to give you that, that um, we want to show you sort of our roots, I guess. Yeah, our roots. And and a lot of times, like, you'll hear like, oh, I met them in grade school, or I met them in college, or blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But um, (laughs) Katie and I met when we were in a young adult treatment center in Wickenburg, Arizona, which is... In relation to Phoenix? In relation to Phoenix, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly which direction. (laughs) I'm pretty... Okay, I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to be wrong. It's definitely outside of the city. It's not south towards Tucson. It's north... It's north of the city. I don't know if it's northeast or northwest, but it's north of the city of Phoenix by about like an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, Yeah, I'd say like an hour and a half. Yeah. And it's a small town. It's definitely grown since. But when we were there 17 years ago, it was truly a one horse town. Like actually it had probably more horses. It was not. There was lots of horses horses there. It was a ranch town. One stoplight. One stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> town. Many horses, one, one stoplight. stoplight. Yeah. Because you're on a horse. What do you need a stoplight for? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I I had a, a cousin of mine. She married this guy and I I guess this was like soon after I left Arizona, but I said like, oh, I used to live in Wickenburg because I I lived there even a year after. Yeah, you did. Wickenburg. Yeah, you did. And and he is the only person I've ever told I used to live in Wickenburg that was like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> I know. I know nobody <laughs> and- has been there. <laughs> he didn't even go there for rehab. He like went there. Because that's pretty much, unless you're a rancher or in need of treatment, there's no other reason to go there. <laughs> or maybe maybe you're a thrifter because there are a few good thrift stores up there. Remember the Sir Optimist? Sir Optimist, <laughs> yeah. Sir Optimist thrift store. Oh, my, oh God. my God. They had the best that shirts. The best shirts. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, Katie, we should go We there. actually should. I was just thinking that. I was oh like, I would love to pick up some Sir Optimist shirt. Yeah. I had like an alien shirt from the Sir Optimist. I don't know where it was. It was like a baseball tee, white with red sleeves. I don't remember... Yeah. I don't. I have no idea where it went, but it was aliens abducting someone, which is pretty much my dream. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that probably happened a lot in this town. Yeah. I mean, remember on the ranch? Remember on the ranch we saw like yeah. weird lights. We would always see weird lights. No. Oh yeah, I would. We would walk from the main house back to the girls' house with me. I mean, the whole group of us. I'm sure you were there, Whoa. and we would see all these weird lights like some of them were red they were not flying like planes like they were not that high we were we always thought it was either aliens or the government doing testing yeah it could have been both (laughs) it probably was both but that that brings us to like kind of like the setup of this place so it was called gatehouse academy the the slogan was probably something like you know help for troubled yes literally (laughs) something like that because the age there was 
18. They usually didn't allow, they allowed a few underage kids there, but they usually didn't. So 18 to 26, although there were some like 30, 29, 30 year old um, residents there. We were called residents. They made exceptions. Well, I mean, all rehabs make exceptions because if you're paying them money, they're going to accept it. Like, I'm I'm sorry. That's just. You know, well, you know, the secret's out. It's not always moral. No, I mean, even the structure of this treatment, like, there's just ways to play with things where, like, it's not residential if it's not if they're if people are living in other type houses and you have them quote pay rent or their parents pay like there's all these different ways to sort of mess with it but also market it as something other than what it is and that I mean looking back that's kind of how it felt there though I don't um yeah I'm not upset at all about my experience there right but there were some things that were just not okay about it downright illegal yeah I mean (laughs) Actually, like, pretty fucking illegal. Well, like, so Katie and I first met because we we both went to the ranch for three months first, which is a ranch. And it's nine miles out on a dirt road. And it's not like an easy dirt road. It's like you're in a four-wheel drive truck and you're going 10 miles an hour (laughs) over these rough-ass bumps in the road. Yeah. Like, it took 30, 40 minutes minimum to get down that road. Yeah. It was, it was rough. It was a haul. Yeah. It was a rough ride. And you were there for a month usually, right? Uh, no, it was oh, three, three months. months for the first. That's right. Three months for the first. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> only high risk. Cause like if you if you were a young adult that came from another treatment center or wilderness program, you went straight to main campus. But if you were kind of more of a flight risk, like Katie and I yeah. were, you were sent out to the ranch. And on the drive out there, they like made sure to tell you, like, oh, just to let you know, there's lots of Cougars and tarantulas and rattlesnakes and scorpions lizards and coyotes and, yeah, and scorpions. Yeah, cougars or whatever they're called out here. Mountain lions. Mountain lions. <laughs> yeah. And so like they made sure to tell you, hey, there's like a lot of scary things out here that will kill you. So don't even try to walk it. Don't fucking run away. Like I never tried to leave. They accused ever. me of it one time when it was a lie. I did not try and escape and they made me feel crazy. And then um, I just had to be like, okay, sure. I tried to run away because if I didn't, if I didn't say that, it was like, it would be a worse punishment. That's kind of, I mean, (laughs) it's kind of weird to say that, but that was really the sort of how it was structured and sort of how like everyone Mm. creates or comes up with whatever they need to do to sort of survive certain things. Yeah. And not to say this was like a hugely traumatic experience, but I mean, I think just like coming from being an alcoholic and an addict, like living in a minivan, which is where I came from, and then being thrown on this ranch and told like, you're here for a year, because that was the, by the way, that was how long we were there. Like it was a year long program. Yeah. Like, I don't know that you kind of have to shatter people's ego and shatter who they think they are. And they're, I mean, I was a very rebellious, I am in general still. So just imagine me without any level of, yeah, on heroin with any, without any level of self-awareness or like acknowledgement of fault in any capacity. I was just a total fucking dick. Yeah. Like we both went into this, like, uh, well, maybe not you, but like, I didn't know how to do laundry. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to make a salad, a salad. I literally, I was like, how do you want me to cut this? Like, what is going, like, what do you I do don't with get, this? like, what, how do you want me to cut this lettuce? Like, how does it, yeah. what do you mean? What do I do here? <laughs> yeah, you're just, 
It's like you're very stunted. Yeah. You have like a stunted growth by the time. Yeah. And I think this goes for any age when you go to treatment for alcohol and drug addiction. Yeah. I was 19. You were 20, right? Yeah. I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. So we were. So there's like a certain level of that stuntedness. Yeah. Arrested development. Right. Like not that a 19 year old like knows how to take care of themselves fully because, you know, later like I taught at university and I taught 19 year olds and I was like, how are these adults? <laughs> How are these adults? But, you know, just, yeah, just I think I'm going to just say collectively our complete lack of like understanding and ability to function properly in the world needed to be uh, looked at, I think. And that's kind of what this program did in a lot of ways. But part of it was you had to subscribe and succumb to the rules and regulations, whether you thought they were right or not which posed a problem later or made on. Sense. Yeah, or made sense, whether there was logic to them, whether like their argument was valid or not, which was a huge thing for me because that's always kind of my thing. Like that's an invalid argument. Yeah. You had to just like go with it because it was going to be worse if you didn't. Right. Yeah. And like some of the rules were like no hoodies. Couldn't have ho- you couldn't have shirts with a hood on them. Oh yeah, the all the all the boys had to shave their heads. heads. You had a hood on here. You had to cut them. I forgot. I wouldn't be allowed to wear this. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. And all the boys had to shave their heads, so they all had short hair. Yeah. Any piercing that was on your body, except ear piercings, and not you couldn't have a lot, but any piercing Mm -hmm. that was on your body had to go. Like, I, I had to take my tongue piercing out, my belly button. I wouldn't take my yeah. nose out for a couple weeks because I claimed yeah. that it was stuck. I was like, I can't. It's stuck. And then Kelly, remember Kelly, one of the man, like one of the managers there was like, you're going to take that fucking nose ring out. I was like, God damn it. They took it out with <laughs> wire cutters. Like, that's how serious this that. was. Yeah. After yeah. circle, she's like, get your fucking nose ring out. Get that out of your nose. I'm like. <laughs> that's a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> she was rough, man. Yeah, she was rough. That brought me back. So it was like there was lots of rules like that. Yeah. And it was, you know, I think in so many ways it just like it, it stripped away so you could like rebuild yourself as like a sober human being and not rely on like piercings or like tattoos. Representations. Yes. Or what you were wearing. Old representations of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And and you got to figure out like what it takes to, to be sober, but also to just like figure out who you are and like how to be a human in this world and be somebody that contributes to the world and doesn't make it a more dangerous place. Right. And the thing is, is that you were surrounded by kids, like some sure were worse than others or in more dangerous and severe situations than others. But ultimately you were around a group of people that all shared some level of, um, experience. And so you're not sitting there as the only person that's gone through this traumatic thing. You're like, oh yeah, that happened to her and her and her and him. Okay. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not alone, I guess. I'm not yeah, the only one that has had like traumatic stuff happen. I'm not the only one that has done terrible things to people. Right. You know, it was it was absolutely necessary to to make us shed those belief systems and then put us in a situation where we had to find a community and we were asked to have a community that supported us doing healthier things than we had been doing previously. Yeah, and building relationships. Yeah. Built upon who we were and not contingent upon like us getting drunk or getting high or figuring out how to do both of those things or get all of that. Stuff. Right. It was- Not to say that there weren't some people that did those things in there because it, it's a treatment center. So people did find ways to escape and to do things that were sort of toxic with each other and 
to, you know, leave and get high. Like, yes, but the majority of the residents did not do that. They were at least growing in a different direction. Yeah. And at least like a lot of us were just like exhausted too and not willing to keep fighting. That's where I was at. Even though I was a little rebellious still, like I said, that's kind of just who I am. There, When I went there, I was just so tired. I was so tired. It was the seventh one include like i mean including what are they called uh detox centers and stuff yeah okay Um, on the seventh one that i had been to you know i was just like i i gotta figure something out because i can't yeah can't keep doing this i don't have enough energy for this like i'm not gonna live if i keep doing this so there there was some degree of just like okay i give up which needs to happen it needs to happen especially with like yeah stuff like that yeah and it was like, I kind of like imagined, you know, like those things that like a bowling alley or like a like an arcade game with like a claw that comes down. <laughs> I imagined a claw came down and picked me up and took me to Wickenburg and dropped me there. Yeah. Because like I was I was living in Boulder at the time in a sober house and I was continuing to like go to 12 set meetings, but I was going high and I could not for the life of me figure out how to stop drinking or how to stop using drugs. It was just like, I want that because this feels shitty and I'm lying and I'm overdosing. But I don't see how just like going to meetings or something is actually going to help me. I don't understand how this is going to work. Yeah, no, I agree. It doesn't make sense. That's exactly how I felt. It was like, okay, like I got to figure out how to do this differently because this is not working. But I really don't see how this whole program, like 12-step meetings or whatever, is actually going to do anything for me. Like I just didn't – I also didn't try it, if I'm being honest. I didn't actually try it. (laughs) Well, we are being honest. (laughs) Yeah, like I didn't try it. But um, I remember one of my first treatment centers, I was sitting in a meeting. uh, We got to go to one outside meeting. It was – I went to CR Tucson, of course, like the fancy one at first. Yeah. Yeah, um, which did, I mean, like – nothing for me nothing for me um no it's like 30 days what is 30 days gonna do i'm sorry if anyone's listening to this and they think that 30 days is gonna fix somebody that they know or love with a drug and alcohol problem or any sort of like severe mental problem it's not it's not it takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of time and 30 days can definitely be a jumpstart to that, but the person has to be ready. And at least for me, I wasn't ready at that time. But I remember somebody, I was in a meeting and somebody was talking and I was just like, okay, so like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I guess I'm just going to have to like sleep through the whole day. (laughs) Like that was my solution is like, okay, if I don't drink and do heroin, like then the only way for me to survive is just like sleep through the whole day. It's the only way I can make it. Yeah. Which is sad. I mean, that's, (laughs) I didn't know how to do it. So like, thank God for a program that forced me into realizing that there was another, that this is how you do it. Like they showed me this is how you do it. And we, I mean, Gatehouse was based, their program and their way of um, helping people recover from that was the 12 steps. So like there was therapy and stuff like that, but it we went through the big book like they had yeah. in the program. They weren't like reinventing the no. wheel. It was it was like yeah, it was the 
12 steps. Yeah. More of like a change of environment and freedoms that you were allowed. Yeah. And then a program of action, right? That helps you sort of gain a new perspective, which was the 12 steps, which I still think are divinely inspired. I mean, for sure. I don't personally go to and practice in AA anymore, and I haven't for a while, but I still, I don't, you know, I still abide by all of those things that I've learned on top of everything else that I've gained and added to my experience spiritually, because I needed more than, I needed that as my basis and foundation, and then I want to expand beyond that. But yeah, I still think that that program and the way that, I mean, it's basically shadow work. It's shadow work. Like everyone, that's the new hip phrase, but it's shadow work. It's looking at the ugly parts of ourselves and our behaviors and our actions and our thoughts, even the traumatic stuff that happened. And when, you know, not being like the traumatic, I mean, sometimes the traumatic stuff is in part due to us. And sometimes it's like, no, that's just a horrific thing that happened. And the only, the only part that you play is you're still hanging on to it. Yeah. You know, because now it's time to heal because you're aware. So let's heal. That's sometimes that's literally the only part you play is like, oh, you're still holding yourself back because of this trauma. So you're still hanging on to it. That's it. Yeah. There's no judgment in that. There's just, you know, a need for acknowledgement to move beyond it. But yeah. And being here, being there for a year gave us a chance to like actually see what it would be like to live without like access or like that need and like addiction and obsession with wanting to continue to use and drink and get us beyond like a couple days or a couple weeks without that substance that we were always leaning on. And I know for me, like I had my first like spiritual experience, like come to Jesus moment, (laughs) like at the ranch, it was within the first like month or two of being there. And if you've never seen like a, a sunset in Arizona. Oh yeah. They're stunning. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And this was on a ranch like 17 years ago. So like there was really nothing out there, the middle of nowhere in Arizona and saguaros everywhere, cactus everywhere, like animals, birds. Yeah. And and the sun is like cotton candy. And I just, there was a moment, I, I don't know, I feel like a couple of us were like out on the front grass and I just like looked up and I was like, okay, wow. (laughs) Because when you're in your addiction, you are robbed of so many opportunities to observe the world. Of presence. Observe nature. Yeah. Yeah. You are always distracted. You're always like obsessed with yourself and what you're thinking and feeling and and how to get what you need to feel better and all of that yeah so it's like of course like I would never be able to like enjoy observing and like being present and like absorbing like the magic of what I was seeing in front of me and that for me and along with the community of like needing friends like Katie of oh I can have friends Like, I can laugh. I can be myself. Like, I can enjoy my life with the absence of drugs and alcohol. And like, I'm I'm like kind of comfortable in my skin. And like, this is amazing. Yeah, like I'm still a person without all of that. Like, oh, and I do all of these things that I haven't done in years. Yeah. Or stuff that I used to like doing when I was a kid that like I now get to sort of access again because I'm not numbed to everything around me. I think like one of the healthiest things an adult can do is like inner child work. I agree. And like do those fun things that you used to like when you were a child and somewhere along the way, like thought it wasn't cool or like shut it down yeah 
you shut it down because yeah. it like probably wasn't cool. But only like over the summer, I started doing like a roller skate night. I love <laughs> like, that. And that was like literally the most fun I've ever had. Just so joyful, listening to music, going around a rink, like dancing and skating. And like that is that like the joy I think that I lost when I was younger and I started like using later on got to go back to and be like, oh, maybe this is dorky, but I don't care. That's not not what this is about. That's not what life is about. I mean, even at the ranch, because I mean, the ranch was the first three months and then the last nine months were on main campus. But even at the ranch, I mean, I remember we would do stupid, funny things all the time. Like yeah. you, we would laugh. We would be reminded of that. I mean, I think we wa- we got to wa- have on the weekends on. I think I don't remember if it was Friday and Saturday or just Saturday and Sunday. I think it was Friday and Saturday. We got to have movie night. We didn't get to watch television or anything like that throughout the whole week. And we got to have movie night. And I remember we watched Titanic on cassette on or on VHS. Yeah. So many times that it became a comedy. Like, do you remember yeah. I could do the the old woman's voice at the beginning? Yeah. I can still smell the fresh paint. The china had <laughs> never been. You, my voice is off, but the sheets had <laughs> never been slept in. Titanic walls. Yeah. yeah. Like we would just, like it was just the stupidest stuff. And we would get yeah. to like find joy in that. I think that's it. Like yeah, what I missed throughout my entire like career in using right and drinking was joy because I didn't I didn't have it I couldn't access it like it's not that it wasn't there didn't exist I just couldn't access it and for the first time like you know a month a couple weeks three months whatever sober I was able to like laugh and find joy and find like camaraderie and friendship yeah and that's huge. It's huge. That's, that's everything. And I think that's why people love and stay in AA and do that for their entire life afterwards. Some do because... Well, community and connection is important. It's crucial to like a human experience yeah. and thriving as a human being. Yeah. It would be cool to like go through like a, like a day in the life, a gatehouse resident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the movie night I can't relate to because I was like, finally, ever, all these bitches are gone in a different room and I can go lay in bed and hang out. Yes, Seth's always loved, like, leave me alone. I'm not watching the movie. I'm going to go here and listen to my music on my iPad or my iPod. My iPod. <laughs> yeah. IPod. I was like, I can't relate to the movie thing because I was probably, I know that I was just like, all right, I'll grab some puppy chow. Oh, yeah, I've always I never had chow. that until I went yeah, to Gatehouse. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was me. I was like, like let's the, do puppy chow. <laughs> it's like the chocolate and Chex Mix and peanut butter, right? And peanut butter, yeah. It's the best thing ever, yeah. I'd never had that Oh, before. yeah, because on the weekends, we also got to make like a sweet thing. Like we could make cookies or puppy chow or whatever. And so that's what yeah. we would do because we didn't get sugar. We didn't get stuff like that during the week. Yeah, and so that was like a big thing. And I just grabbed some puppy chow and head on. Head on into a room, yeah. <laughs> And these were shared rooms, mind you. They were like bunk beds, like bunk beds. You were sleeping with at least three other people in that room, at least. Uh, There's like several bunk beds in every room. And they all had like different names. There was like LG. Let go and let go on. LGL. G too, because it was like let go, let go FTF for first things things first. first. Yeah, I don't remember all the other ones. MG, main girls. So there was like, like all kinds of, you know, sobriety, slogany names. 
in for all the rooms. Right. And they would like break up rooms consistently consistently to like keep things fresh or like when a couple girls got too clicky. Yeah. Or we're like you know, planning things that they shouldn't have been planning, like escape routes like, or like, like leaving. Like, yeah. Like leaving or hooking, hooking up, up with boys. boys. Yeah. They would be like, all right, we're separating you two. So yeah, I mean, you're on talking ban. Oh yeah. There were bans, B-A-N, like uh, you were not allowed to do certain things. Like you couldn't talk sometimes. You couldn't, um, we couldn't use razors sometimes if somebody like threatened suicide or cut themselves. If we were really bad or we did something we shouldn't as a group then, um, or even not as a group, sometimes they would just punish us collectively. Mm-hmm. We would have like coffee ban. Or smoking ban. A smoking ban. Yeah. So we did smoke. We did get to smoke there because, well, we I were all 18. So many cigarettes. It was my life. Life's, bl- I think I actually started smoking when I was oh there. God. I did not. And I smoked I for smoked. like seven years. I think I smoked like seven years into sobriety after that. I smoked one. I think I stopped like my f- within the first year of leaving there. So like a year and a half. You smoked menthols, right? Oh, girl. Yeah. I, I started thought. smoking menthols because. Gross. So basically, it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like jail or prison a little bit. Nah, it's like there's it's not commissary, but it's it's kind of so basically you work. We in the morning we would get up and we would do like a morning meditation, which was not like mm-hmm. an ohm meditation. It was like reading from a daily meditation a book daily and like maybe share a, devo- a little bit daily devotional. Yeah. And we yeah. do like a prayer or whatever collectively, and then we go off to what was called worth work ethic, which was what like. An hour and a half, two hours? Yeah. It's more than an hour. Um, I think it was at 6 a.m., right? 6 to like 7, I think. I think it was – no, it was 5. I think it was till 8.30. Okay, so 6 And to then we could have breakfast. Yeah. So, yeah, work ethic was um, was basically like, okay, we earned this many points mm-hmm. for attending work ethic. And you had to attend work ethic. And then if they asked you to do other things or whatever, you could kind of like earn points to do that. But everyone could buy cigarettes, a carton of cigarettes every week because literally that's... Every two weeks. Oh, every two weeks. Okay. Well, because that's yeah. how much people smoked. <laughs> like a lot. Based on that's, these points. I think point, it's 10 pack. Yeah. Based on these point systems. So like if you didn't do work ethic or if you got in trouble, they would dock your points, which means you couldn't buy cigarettes. Anyway, they somebody they found out that somebody in the community was like messing with the point system um and giving people more points or less points or whatever. And so they're like, all right, well, now you guys, they didn't want to take our cigarettes away because, you know, that was kind of the only addictive thing that we could all cling to other than caffeine. <laughs> um, yeah. But they were like, well, you're, we're going to buy cheap cigarettes. You don't get Marlboros, you get Liggett's. And Liggett cigarettes, I used to smoke Marlboro Reds. Right, it was hardcore. Like, no, what a downgrade! Really, but yeah, it was like Marlboro Reds, bitch, or and like GPCs. Yeah, GPCs. Like it's in GPCs, and, and we so, call them gatehouse punishment cigarettes. Yeah, gatehouse punishment cigarettes. Yeah, but basically, it's like I tried. I remember I tried to smoke the regular ones of the cheap ones. I was like, "Fuck this! I can't." They were terrible. So the only thing that would make it okay was uh, menthols. And then once we got off that punishment, I was hooked on menthols. So I was like, "Give me some new ports." <laughs> yeah, it's gross. But like the healthiest person, like one of the healthiest people I know. Yeah, now, I mean, we used smoke, to smoke new ports. <laughs> yeah, I quit. Like I'm, a, I almost got pneumonia, or I did get pneumonia, and then I quit. Mm. What like? Six months after gatehouse, after we got out of gatehouse or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I didn't smoke for that long, but I did. 
I, I did smoke before Gatehouse. But yeah, so then we would do um, work ethic, which was anywhere from like on the ranch. We would muck horse stalls and work the horses. I was like the cleaning. Yeah, cleaning. I was the first maintenance woman. You remember that? They're like, you want to do maintenance? I'm like, have I shown any ability to build things? No, but sure. (laughs) I'm like fixing. I'm like using like a a saw to like cut open this trailer's floor. Like they're fixing the plumbing on it. I was like, I was tarring the roof of the boy's house. Like I was on the roof tarring. Yeah, I would fix screen doors, like all of that shit. Yeah, cleaning. I mean, they just, whatever they needed you to do is free labor pretty much. It was. That's so true. Yeah. And then we, and then we had morning circle. Yeah, breakfast. breakfast. Morning circle. So it's like a community circle where they would address like concerns or problems within the community. Confrontations, concerns, and confessions. Yes. Yeah. And confessions. Like, do you have anything to confess? We hope, we secretly, I guess Nikki, our friend Nikki always hoped that, um, (laughs) <laughs> that somebody would be like, I'm pregnant with so-and-so's baby, but it never happened. I bet I'm it sure did. it did. They just it's, didn't say anything. In the anything. history of yeah. Gatehouse, though, there was some definite effort around. Oh, my God. Yeah. But also, there's a thing. It's called rehab goggles. Oh, and if you've ever worn God. beer goggles, then, then you, you know. You know, you because know. it is no. as powerful as beer goggles. Yeah. You are like... Wow, this is the hottest person I've, man ever, I've seen. ever seen in my life. I like, oh my god, are we so <laughs> blessed to have him here? And then, and then you look back and you're like, Brad oh Finn. god, yeah. You look at me and you're like, oh my god, oh god. what was I thinking? <laughs> I was a sick Yikes. puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would do we would do circle, and it was like, yeah. A good way of practicing boundaries, but was often used as a way of group shaming. <laughs> like it was. Yeah, for sure. But it was good. It was a good way to be able to learn to use your voice and like confront people. Yeah. Um, and like take the health of the community, see what was going on. Yeah. No, it really helped. Like, honestly, it helped me take my own inventory about like, how was I yesterday? How have I been this week? Like, is there anything that I've done that's upset someone? Can I confront? Is there anything that they could confront me on? Which like was the first time that I'd ever, I mean, this is one of the steps in the big book to kind of like take take inventory and evaluate like how you represent, how you how you are in your life and in the world and to other people, how you show up. So it kind of forced you in a way to do that um, and practice it regularly because you didn't want to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And to look at how your behavior affects other people, because I think as like alcoholics and addicts, like you really think that like your world is so about you and you're not affecting anyone else. You're just hurting yourself or like you're so unaware of yourself. There's no awareness of any part of you. And so to like have that temperature of like, oh, that was kind of shitty of me to do. Or that was like really dishonest. Pretty. I lied. I lied a lot there. Yeah. That was pretty shady. I remember I got called out for stealing Diet Cokes (laughs) and for going on MySpace. Because you did do both of those things. Yeah. I never did those things. I didn't want anyone to know I did them either. I'm like. I never snuck online ever. Ugh, so many people did. I never did. Yeah. I don't know why. I was like, fuck, why didn't I do that? Why did I do I that? Know. It wasn't worth it. I don't it. know it what I even would me. get confronted for. I mean, I know what I got confronted for on the ranch because I was like not following any of the rules and like 
kind of like not doing that, but I don't even remember. I think I was more confronted like in groups. Yeah. Katie, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. I'm concerned when... I'm concerned when you steal Diet Coke. Yeah. I'm, yeah. When you steal Diet Coke or whatever. The family workshop room. Yeah. Or just like, it was literally anything too. I'm pretty sure I did take some Diet Cokes at the very end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, I got it. Because you were on that with me, weren't you? I, yeah, I was on cleaning crew. I remember like, I'm wondering if this actually affected my mental or like my health, but like all the cleaning products, I was like, okay, when I put all this stuff in the toilet to clean it, like the toilet bowl cleaner and then some bleach and other stuff, it makes like a really pretty color. Oh. And, like, <laughs> it's like a rainbow. Yeah. Oh Ajax, we're like gassing ourselves yeah. out. I'm like, how cool. Look how pretty these colors are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, there's, like, a lot of, like, growth and humility. And I think having this experience, like, for both of us, it was, like, a foundation for the life we lead now, which is very much based upon growth and spirituality and introspection and, like, how – what are you giving to the world? And also, like, the gift of that, too, in a lot of ways. Like, later on, yeah, it helped – first and foremost, it helped build a foundation for me to, like, grow from, a stable foundation that I was, like – okay, if I do these things and I, and I do this and I check in in this way and I connect with my friends in that way, like then I'm like, then I'm good. Then I'm kind of good and I can move from here. But even later on, it was, I mean, the gift of looking back and kind of being able to go, oh, some of those things that I did even to survive that or to that sort of, there was some level of like indoctrination about certain things because there had to be because my way of thinking was fucked up. It was just a mess. So I had to be taught how to think about things. And now because I've grown and expanded, I don't have to think about them even in that way anymore because that doesn't benefit me or feed me or whatever, you know? Yeah, there like continues to be nuances from that experience that I've learned and you know, even now it's like shedding that experience, like shedding some of the things that the ways of thinking that came from that experience. Like, for example, for me, I have this tendency even now, and Cess knows this, where I don't do it, but I know there's a part, there's a part of me that feels like, well, I just need to tell people the truth. Like I need to tell them things about me, whether I should or not, because or whether it's their whether business. it's their business or not, because it's like, well, if it's I'm like not, then I'm honest. lying. Yeah. It's this sort of twist on being honest. Yeah. Because it is because there you had to be honest. We both like dealt with that of the experience of like, okay, not everyone needs to know everything, everything about, about you. Me. No, because some people just aren't going to hold the space for you that you need and want for that. Some people aren't capable of it. No, they're just not. But early on, 19 years old, 20 years old, when you were lying and keeping all kinds of secrets from everyone, you had, I mean, the opposite of that is tell everyone everything because you're a lie. You lie. Mm -hmm. So tell everyone everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's what yeah. we did. And so- And if you make a mistake- we're going to shame you. Yeah, we'll pretty much shame you in front of the whole community. community. So tell everyone everything. And, you know, very beneficial to learn honesty in its immediate full form, right? But now, 10 years in, 17 years in, it's like, oh, there are nuances to honesty where I can be honest with myself and I don't have to tell other people and that's okay. Because at one point being honest with myself meant that I could manipulate the truth, which would cause me to do things that might not be 
in my best interest, you know? Now I have a lot more trust and faith in myself, my decisions, my power, all of that. I agree. And I think one of the things for me is like, what am I putting into the world? I'm responsible for the energy I'm putting into the world. Yeah. If I'm, you know, lost, scared person that came in that like had good intentions, but like was driving drunk and was overdosing and was doing all these things. And like, yeah, that's not that's not what my life purpose is. And I think the ability to be in this world and be a contributing member of love and kindness and compassion is what I am meant to do. And to be honest as well, it's like I would even like when I got out, I was like, oh, I'll be there in 10 minutes when my GPS or like said it was like 30. It was like those are like the little things that I was like, oh, my God, I just lied because there's like because I mean, because we were told that even a white lie can lead you down the path of lying. And now but I will tell you, I will tell you that every time that I do those little things, I'm like, I just left and I'm still putting on my shoes in my house. You know, know, I'm like, I I lied. Yeah, I lied. And I don't I did, think I that I, I I'm wasn't not, out the yeah, door. I'm not, you know, traumatized by that where I'm like, hey, I, I lied to you, but like, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> but like, I may, let me make amends for this. <laughs> like, no, but there's still that in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, oh I lied. And it's like good to have that awareness too of like why you're doing something or why you're saying something, even if it's like not complete tr- completely true. And can I say, because I was talking to Cez earlier before we started recording about um, a newer friend of mine who has had a similar experience to us and is on the same Mm -hmm. sort of trajectory as we are. And I went hiking with her today and then we were going to go to eat. And I was like, is the place closed? She's like, yeah, I think it's like 10 minutes. And then, and we both get in our separate cars and I get a text from her that goes, I lied. It's 15. (laughs) And I was like, I say that too. I'm like, oh, I lied about that one. It's like, I didn't lie. I just didn't know the information. But that's like the standard. But sometimes it is lying. (laughs) Sometimes it is lying. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like (laughs) everyone else that I know doesn't say that. They're just like, oh, sorry, it was 15 or they don't even correct it. But like those of us who have been sort of indoctrinated by this are like, I lie. I'm a damn liar. What were you going to say? There's a line There's a line from the Golden Girls and Rose Nyland says, what a tangled web we weave when we first tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is like my go-to. That's like definitely an alcoholic thing. It sometimes feels like another lifetime when I talk about that experience because that person, that Katie then is so far from the Katie that I am now, but is a necessary moment in time to... Mm-hmm to bring me to the person here. And I kind of get like, when I, when I talk about it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, no, that happened to me. Like I had all these like crazy things, even within that experience, there were like traumatic things that happened to us that like, we don't need to go into necessarily, but like, you know, just like people that were running it, were not really honest or, you know, really that qualified to do certain things. And as a result, there were some things that transpired that were not good for the residents in general. You know, they never directly happened to Sess or I, but, or Sess and me, but Mm -hmm. we saw it happen. You could see it transpire. Right. 17, 18 people that were, I mean, in 18, I guess that's legal, but it's still, there is a huge power dynamic. Staff members having relationships with 17 year old girls, 18. And power and who has control and who, you know, versus somebody who's running, yeah, running the program versus somebody who is 
six months sober and doesn't know their ass from page 12, you know? But it, yeah, it feels like I wouldn't change a single thing about that experience for me. And I'm so grateful for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think at this point in my life, I am, like I was saying, shedding a lot of the last little tendrils that that sort of has in my life. Not Not ignoring it, but just kind of being like, yeah, no, that is done. And, you know, all, a lot of the old things and belief systems that I picked up from there, as helpful as yeah. they were for a certain point, they're not benefiting me anymore. So mm-hmm. because, I mean, after that, like I went through from like year one to year 10 was major up and down shifts for me. Yeah. Like I studied all different types of religions and philosophies and practiced them and expanded that. Like I had people in my life that were, that would say, explore this, explore that. Here's the information. Here's that. So on top of that 12 step basis, I expanded even beyond that. And you know, I we were Sess and I were talking about this before. I I lived in China for a year in 2014 to 2015, and that was a pretty rough period in my life. Looking back, in the moment, it didn't feel like it was that bad, but looking back, I realized I was not happy. But it was the impetus for this expansive growth that happened when I returned, because I feel like I have grown exponentially spiritually since I got back because my perspective has shifted even from all of the things that I was growing and expanding on before. And so I think that that's kind of the important takeaway from this is, and I think that's the whole reason that Sess and I are even talking about this is because, so you've had something happen that shifted you to start looking at this stuff. But the thing is to not just stay there. Stay there for a little bit. But while you're there, gain enough understanding and sight and become the observer to be able to see when it doesn't serve you anymore and grow beyond that. Yeah. Because I did not come from Katie who left, who was at Gatehouse to Katie in 2023. Beautifully said. Those are not, they're not on the same level whatsoever. But there was this whole process that happened as a result of that experience that started the trajectory of me expanding and growing, if that makes any kind of sense. So I don't think that we could be the women we are today without having been addicted to drugs and alcohol and gone through that experience. I don't know when I would have ever, and I, I think about this sometimes, I don't know how we would have ever gotten into like angels and spirit guides and like the universe and the cosmos and like consciousness and meditation and all these incredible things that I, that are part of like my daily life today, but not only part of my daily life, but things I love that I'm devoted to that, that like enchant me. Like, I don't know. Says that you have practiced for 17 years and that's the difference because all of that, those topics that we talk about now and that you just mentioned are, if you follow the right people on Instagram or social media, they're everywhere. But like, what we're saying is that this this path has led us to have have had practiced that for that amount of time. Like this isn't something new that we're just getting into. This is something that we have done and explored and has in, we have integrated into our entire being for 17 years as a result of that ex, that initial experience. Yeah, and I don't know when I 
how else I would have gotten introduced to this if it hadn't been for treatment and going through this experience. So, and yeah, just like Katie said, I can't, I can see that, that like scared young girl who came in, who did not know how to do laundry, did not how to boil a pot of water or make a cup of coffee or like tie her shoes. (laughs) Like I did not know how to function. And as the, the woman that I am now, it's like, you have, I, I think this also like just, you know, I think we might've talked about this on another episode of just like the lifetimes that occur within your life and all of the different people that you are and the funerals that you have to have for the parts of yeah. you that have died that you have had to let go of and yeah. the rebirths of the, the person that you're meant to be. And all of those can happen during really painful, scary experiences. And that's like where you learn who you are and who you want to become. And for me, like, sir, it didn't serve me to be dishonest or to lie to people or to steal or to live and drive a vehicle or as like a, a person that was solely focused on numbing out. And the greatest gift today is that I don't have to do that anymore. And like, I live a full, full life and I feel every fucking thing. And I know that I'm safe, full, whole ass feelings. (laughs) Full on everything, full on. Yes. And there's this, there's this comedian and I wish I could remember her name, but I, I saw one of my friends sent it to me who's not sober, who hasn't had this experience, but who is a therapist. And she, it was funny because the person's like, everyone says like, oh, you stopped drinking. All right. So you couldn't handle, you couldn't handle your alcohol. And she's like, no, dude, I don't think you can handle fucking Tuesday. Like, can you handle like, like a shitty, the shittiest day you've ever had without coming home and smoking a joint or having a a glass of wine? Like, that's like, and she goes, she said that some, one of her coworkers was like, you mean to tell me that you feel all of your feelings all of the time? Gross. And it's like, yeah, I feel all of my feelings yeah. all of the time. Yeah. And we have for and 17 like, years. If it hadn't been for this like abrupt halting of the path I was on that put me in the trajectory to go to Gatehouse to meet my community, to meet Katie, to like meet friends and partners and all this other stuff like who knows it doesn't matter but like I'm I'm grateful that it set me up for this path of growth and healing and spirituality and like making the world like somehow in some ways better and brighter and more joyful through not being an energy suck but through rather through being somebody who brings positive energy back into it that's like, if that's, I mean, I'm reminded all the time that like the the best thing that we can possibly do is find our own center and shine from there. Like, cause you can't change anyone else. Be the lighthouse. Yeah, you have to. You just have to be your, the, your own light. And, and that's it for yourself, not for anyone else, for yourself. It's safe to shine stand and stand where you are and be proud of who you are and what you've gone through. And the experience of, of making, I'm like saying this in third person, but it's like, (laughs) of like making you a softer, more compassionate person who can hold space for people that are going through traumatic, scary experiences. 
Because you have held space for yourself and because you yourself know and understand those, the depth and the, the fear of those experiences. And it doesn't mean that you have to have had the exact same experience as somebody else, but you have to have come out of something to like sort of understand and be able to hold that space. You just do, you know? And the people who shine the brightest are the ones that have gone through the darkest of nights. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I was sort of forced into this at 19 years old because it, it, I wasn't a fully formed person at that point. No, not even close. Right. I was still malleable. I was still figuring it out. I was pretty much, a te- I was a teenager still at that point. And I got to not have to pick up a bunch of stuff that I did have stuff that I have to shed. I still have stuff that I have to shed, but I don't have entire like structured belief systems that are based on 20 years of adult life. You know, I, I got to start from where it mattered kind of. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the moral of it is other than just sort of giving you a basis for where we started versus where we are today. And that we have been to the best of our ability at each moment in our lives, trying our, our best to be as present, conscious, and expansive as we can for 17 years. And that's that's a long time. It's a long time. And I keep saying that, yeah, I keep saying that number because, you know, I have people in my life that often remind me like, Katie, I don't think you give yourself enough credit for the amount of work that you have done. You know, because it's like, here's another thing, be humble, be humble, be humble. Because if you're humble, if you're not humble, then you're an ego. And if you're an ego then you're in self. And if you're in self, then you're in suffering. If you're in suffering, then you're not enlightened. And you know, all of that sort of shit. But there's nothing wrong with acknowledging and being how far you've come. You just got to keep moving forward. And like Katie, like I have, I met you the first day I came to the ranch and I thought you were a hot ass mess. A girl, because I was a hot ass mess. I remember, I remember at my first rehab, Sess, I remember at my first rehab, they all looked, one girl that later was my friend for like two weeks or whatever. It's like a month and a half that I was there because I had to stay longer because my detox was so long. But um, I remember her saying to me, she's like, yeah, when I first got here, I was like, this is not for me. This is for people who are fucked up like Katie. I was like, and I was just like, yeah, <laughs> like that's like cool. Like I don't take any kind of offense to that. Like, but it's but it's true. Like every time I went in somewhere, everyone was like, this fucking girl. Like she ain't making it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm proud of, right? But it's like it doesn't happen without death and rebirth. And like the woman you are today, I am very proud of. Thank you. And the same. And it's like you were saying, like, Katie at Gatehouse is different than Katie when I went to undergrad, which is different than Katie when she lived in Boston, which is different than Katie when she was in China. Like all of these phases of who I was and what I was growing and learning versus now, it's just like... We're going to continue to. And it's exciting. It's beautiful and exciting. Yeah. How beautiful is that? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And if you're just starting on this journey, know that like there are going to be different phases like Seth, Seth, Seth. Wow. I know Hi, your I'm name. Yeah, <laughs> like Seth is I'm saying. I'm your friend Seth. Hi, Seth. <laughs> like Seth is saying. It's, I don't know. I don't have an excuse for that. If I did, it would be a lie. And then I'd feel good. No, I'm kidding. And then I'd feel guilty. <laughs> But there are all these deaths and rebirths of who we are in different cycles. 
So we want to invite you to find the magic of your past, no matter how dark it is or how fucked up it was or all of that. It's like find the magic in the person that you have become and know that even if you're not proud of yourself right in this moment, have gratitude for the path that you have walked and you've continued to walk. Yeah, because why have shame for that? No, be proud of yourself. Why have shame over something that you can't change? Like that's your past and you don't have to live limited by that. You just don't, you know? And maybe take a look at, like you're saying, that is that like what phases have you had in your own life? And how can you find gratitude for each of those phases? And then what things are you still carrying even from ancient past that maybe, yeah, maybe don't serve you anymore? What can you let, let stay back there? What are you carrying in your bag that you can just let go of? Which doesn't mean you're not grateful for it. It just means you're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't need your assistance anymore. Absolutely. That's it. And if you want to look or anyone here who has made it this long listening, if you want to gatehouse, please reach out. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, please do. (laughs) We miss you. We love you. We hope you're well. (laughs) Namaste. And also, like, if you want to look up gatehouse, it did close down. I don't know how long ago. I don't know either. Maybe eight years ago. When I still had Facebook, which was like, I stopped in. um, Brag, brag, brag. When I got back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is a brag. It's a humble brag. I don't do Facebook because I'm so cool. <laughs> but I spend hours on Instagram. <laughs> Your life is on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it like definitely shut down illegal illegal activity, allegedly. But there's a lot of dark stuff. Yeah, alleged. There was a lot of allegations. <laughs> a lot of culty, dark, laundering stuff going on in Wickenburg, Arizona. So, yeah, but, you know, I think most people, even people that had super traumatic experiences yeah. there were are grateful to some degree. I've heard them yeah. say that, you know, yeah. like they're grateful yeah. to some degree. As am I. For that. Yeah. So, I just want to say like <laughs> this is like what I want to say. I don't know why blessings to you. <laughs> blessings to say you. It. All. <laughs> Blessings to blessings, you all. Blessings to you all. Namaste. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I was trying to think of like something that one of the counselors or one of the staff members would like always say, but I can't. Keep coming back. <laughs> Remember, yeah, I can't. I was like, is there was there something in like yoga class that Margaret would always say? But maybe we can end on this. I remember I was in a yoga class. She wanted me to be like the next teacher or whatever. And she was just, I did not want that. Um, But I remember Preston, our friend Preston, who is not um, alive anymore. Yeah. We have a handful of people that we love um, and miss from that that just didn't didn't make it. yeah. But he, I remember he was, he, in yoga class, there's like a, you do something, you jump through and then you tuck your knees into your chest and you roll on your back and it's supposed to like wake up your spine. And he was next to me on the mat and he was rolling on his back and he would look at me and he would just fart, like just like rip <laughs> farts in class because it's a mixed class. And I was just like, you are fucking, 
you're disgusting. Like this guy's just like farting next to me, rolling on his back. <laughs> and everyone's like dying laughing. Margaret's upset. She's super mad. Like really primes you up for it. But maybe we'll end it with that. There was there were really fun times and good memories that are just the amazing people. Well, we wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks for listening. Love you. We love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Into the Magic, and that is a CK at the end of Magic. We'd also love if you would email us at into the magic at gmail.com for any show suggestions that you want us to chat about or any comments. So thank you so much. 